Hello, and welcome to my podcast, From Trauma to Triumph. I am Leah Bandola and your host. My mission is to help people heal their past so that they can unleash their brilliant future. I am a trauma release specialist, empowerment coach, and cognitive behavior therapist. I am also a published author with three book publications and a professional speaker. This podcast delves into the world of trauma, and it is a big world. There are so many aspects to trauma and how it affects us in our lives, and each episode will give you more information, examples, stories, and strategies to help you understand trauma better and how to release the hold that it has on us. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We just celebrated our Thanksgiving yesterday here in Canada, so I wanted to explore the whole concept of giving thanks and having gratitude. I had a lovely weekend spending time with family, enjoying our wonderful fall weather, and taking some time for some R&R, so I have lots and lots to be grateful for, and I usually do. There is a lot of information out there about the benefits of being grateful and expressing our gratitude, and I don't think anyone would dispute any of it. However, I do know that sometimes it can be a very challenge, very challenging to feel grateful and coming up with anything to have gratitude for. So I wanted to look at the science behind the benefits of gratitude and why sometimes it can be such a hard thing to practice. It's so nice that we have a day dedicated to giving thanks. And I know um, in the U.S. and maybe other parts of the world, you have your uh, days uh, in different months or at a different time. But most places, I think, do dedicate a day for uh, Thanksgiving. And, you know, it's a reason to gather with loved ones and have turkey and stuffing and all the fixings and pie. Can't forget about apple or pumpkin pie. But this Norman Rockwell picture, okay, that just seriously dated me. I'm guessing there may be some listeners who don't know what that is. Google it. Norman Rockwell. (laughs) Um... But uh, sorry, I digress. Uh, This lovely scenario does not happen for all people or for many people. And even if it starts off as a nice event, often these family gatherings can bring up all our uh, stuff for us. And we totally forget about the intention of the day, which is Thanksgiving. I feel like sometimes that is how it ends up just with generally expressing gratitude, meaning we start off by saying we need to count our blessings, feel grateful for all the good things in our lives, but quickly our stuff gets triggered and we start to go down a very different path. We tend to remember all the things that are not going well, that we failed at, that we don't have. You get the gist. Why does this happen? Well, I have talked about negativity bias before. And according to Sarah Fader, the term negativity bias refers to the idea that we are more affected by the negative experiences in our lives than the positive ones. In other words, we tend to remember the bad things more often 
and more strongly than we remember the good. If we have something terrible happen to us on any given day, it is more likely that we will characterize the day as a bad day, even if something equally good happens during that same day. Negativity bias is the explanation for why trauma lasts longer for us and plagues our thoughts, while happy moments are quick to fade and become a distant memory. This is also why a bad um, first impression is incredibly hard to overcome. Yet, a good first impression is fragile and easy to ruin. Negativity bias is also the reason why mudslinging is more effective in a political campaign than putting someone's positive traits on display. So why do we have negativity bias? We can't escape negativity bias as it is a product of evolution. Our ancestors relied on their negativity biases to make the smartest decisions in dangerous situations. This increased the possibility that they would live long enough to mate and pass on their genetics. Neuroscientist and psychologist Rick Hansen wrote a book entitled Buddha's Brain, which detailed the effects of the negativity bias. In the book, Hansen describes how our ancestors were able to survive by subconsciously avoiding things that could be dangerous, like sticks, and allowing themselves to be drawn to stimuli that could aid them in survival, like a carrot. They ultimately learned that it was more important to avoid a stick that might be flying at their heads than it was uh, that it was to stay put and try to put pick the carrots that they were after. Our ancestors' negativity bias continued to develop, and as a result, we have been wired to pay more attention to negativity or things that may be dangerous than to positivity, which offers less of imminent concern. So I'm not going to go any further with this today. I may do an entire episode on it at another time because it is a, a, a very, very interesting concept and topic. But you can see why negativity bias can keep us from focusing on all the good in our lives to have gratitude for. We humans do have a tendency, and I illustrated previously why, <laughs> to focus on the negative. And I think often it's just an ongoing pattern we've developed early on, well, clearly thousands of years ago, um, that we just keep going because we don't have a full awareness around it. There can be so many other personal reasons we stay focused on the negative and can't even see all the good around us, like our early conditioning and belief systems developed through repetition by people in our lives, and then reinforcing the negative when it happens by saying things like, see, I knew this would happen, or I'm not surprised things went wrong, they always do. And again, it's just deep beliefs that we have that take over our conscious thoughts. And yes, when things really, you know, what are considered to be negative or bad events happen, of course, it's hard to see all the other good things that are still remaining in our lives. And we tend to stay kind of really focused on what we feel is wrong with our lives.
So how do we rework our thinking and beliefs so that we can take advantage of the benefits of gratitude practices? I'll get to that in a, a bit. But first, let me talk about the science behind the benefits of gratitude. A recent research study involved nearly 300 adults, mostly college students, who were seeking mental health counseling at a university. The researchers recruited these participants just before they began their first session of counseling. And on average, they reported clinically low levels of mental health at the time. The majority of people seeking counseling services at this university in general struggled with issues related to depression and anxiety. They randomly assigned their study participants into three groups. Although all three groups received counseling services, the first group was also instructed to write one letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks, whereas the second group was asked to write about their deepest thoughts and feelings about negative experiences. And the third group did not do any writing activity at all. What did they find? Compared with the participants who wrote about negative experiences or only received counseling, those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health four weeks and 12 weeks after their writing exercise ended. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those who struggle with mental health concerns. In fact, it seems practicing gratitude on top of receiving psychological counseling carries greater benefits than counseling alone, even when that gratitude practice is brief. And that's not all. When they dug deeper into their results, they found indications of how gratitude might actually work on our minds and bodies. While not definitive, here are four insights from this re research suggesting what might be behind gratitude's psychological benefits. One, gratitude unshackles us from the toxic emotions. First, by analyzing the words used by participants in each of the two writing groups, they were able to understand the mechanisms behind the mental health benefits of gratitude letter writing. They compared the percentage of positive emotion words, negative emotion words, and we words. First, like as in first person plural words, we. That participants used in their writing. Not surprisingly, those in the gratitude writing group used a higher percentage of positive emotion words and we words and a lower proportion of negative emotion words than those in the other writing group. Perhaps this suggests that writing, uh, that uh, gratitude letter writing produces better mental health by shifting one's attention away from toxic emotions, such as resentment and envy. When you write about how grateful you are to others and how much other people have blessed your life, it might become considerably harder for you to ruminate on your negative experiences. Two, gratitude helps even if you don't share it. They told participants who were assigned to write gratitude letters that they weren't required to send their letters 
to their intended recipient. In fact, only 23% of the participants who wrote the gratitude letters sent them. But those who didn't send their letters enjoyed the benefits of experienced gratitude nonetheless, because the number of people who sent their letters was so small, it was hard to determine whether this group's mental health was better than those who didn't send their letter. This suggests that the mental health benefits of writing gratitude letters are not entirely dependent on actually communicating that gratitude to the other person. So if you're thinking of writing a letter of gratitude to someone, but you're unsure whether you want that person to read the letter, we encourage you to write it anyway. You can decide later whether to send it. And think it, I think it's a good idea to do so. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable, then you don't have to, by the sounds of it. But the mere act of writing the letter can help you appreciate the people in your life and shift your focus away from negative feelings and thoughts. Three, gratitude's benefits take time. It's important to note that the mental health benefits, benefits of gratitude writing in the study did not emerge immediately, but gradually accrued over time. Although the different groups in the study did not differ in their mental health levels one week after the end of the writing activities, individuals in the gratitude group reported better mental health than the others four weeks after the writing activities. And this difference in mental health became even larger 12 weeks after the writing activities. If you participate in a gratitude writing activity, don't be surprised if you don't feel dramatically better immediately after the writing. Be patient and remember that the benefits of gratitude might take time to kick in. Four, gratitude has lasting effects on the brain. About three months after the psychotherapy sessions began, they took some people some of the people who wrote gratitude letters and compared them with those who didn't do any writing. They wanted to know if their brains were processing information differently. They used an MRI scanner to measure brain activity while people from each group did a pay it forward task. In that task, the individuals were regularly given a small amount of money by a nice person called the benefactor. This benefactor only asked that they pass the money on to someone if they felt grateful. The participants then decided how much of the money, if any, to pass on to a worthy cause. And the money did actually get passed on to some charities. So they wanted to distinguish donations motivated by gratitude from donations driven by other motivations like feelings of guilt or obligation. So they asked the participants to rate how grateful they felt toward the benefactor and how much they wanted to help each charitable cause, as well as how guilty they would feel if they didn't help. They also gave them questionnaires to measure how grateful they are in their lives in general. They found that across the participants, when people felt more grateful, their brain activity was distinct from brain activity related to guilt and the desire to help a cause. More specifically, they found that when people who are generally more grateful gave more money to a cause, they showed greater neural sensitivity 
in the, med in the medial prefrontal cortex, that's a mouthful, uh, a brain area associated with learning and decision-making. This suggests that people who are more grateful are also more attentive to how they express gratitude. Most interestingly, when they compared those who wrote the gratitude letters with those who didn't, the gratitude letter writers showed greater activation in the medial prefrontal cortex when they experienced gratitude in the MRI scanner. This is striking as this effect was found three months after the letter writing began. This indicates that simply expressing gratitude may have lasting effects on the brain. While not conclusive, this finding suggests that practicing gratitude may help train the brain to be more sensitive to the experience of gratitude down the line. And this could contribute to improved mental health over time. Well, if that isn't motivation enough to give it a try, I don't know what is. I found this study very, very interesting and confirming, you know, many of the things that I also have experienced and seen through my work and also through my own personal life. So how do we get started, especially if you are feeling there isn't much to feel grateful for? And it's not easy. So I'm not going to minimize that uh, it can be very, very difficult when you're going through some uh, difficulties, challenges, especially trauma, um, to try to see anything that that feels like you're grateful for. Uh, so it might take a little bit more of a stretch if you're in that space. But I, you know, as many of you know, you know my story and uh, a lot of it anyway, and, and, you know, some of the adversities that I've experienced. And I can tell you in the moment, sometimes it was really hard for me to think I even had any blessings or that I was grateful for anything. And I'd have to dig really, really deep. But I kept a, a, a gratitude journal, I think I mentioned this before, for two years solid. I mean, I wrote in that every single day, no matter what was going on, no matter where I was, I took it with me when I traveled. And that experience was truly life-changing for me. Not that I was ever a really pessimistic kind of person. I've always been fairly optimistic. Um, but there was a time when I was, um, let's just say, uh, a little more negative, maybe than than how I am today. And and a lot of it, you know, this is what happens in our lives: is it's it's society, it's what we see in media, what we believe. This is, you know, what a good life is supposed to look like, what success is supposed to look like. Um, and so I fell into all of that um, and, and put on a great mask for everybody around me. But in my dark hours felt like, you know, I was falling behind. And at this point in my life, I should have had this and I should have had that. And so when I first heard about keeping a gratitude journal and the exercise, as I heard it, was, you know, to write at least five things every single day that you are grateful for. And honestly, there were some days where I just stared at that paper and it was like, I, there was nothing that happened today <laughs> that I am grateful for. And then I would just sit with it 
and I would have a little self-talk and say, well, that's not really true. I mean, I am healthy. I, you know, so I would write that down. I have a lovely home and, you know, I'd write that down. I have a nice warm bed. Um, so these are some of the things that, and, and a lot of like food, I had a lot of food entries because <laughs> some days that was all I was grateful for was, you know, whatever I had for lunch or dinner that I particularly enjoyed. So that's okay. So sometimes you do have to dig a little bit deep. And and if you don't come up with stuff right away, the worst thing that you can do is to be beating yourself up. Um, because then that's just going to, you know, heap more shame and guilt on you. And, and you know, what's wrong with me? I can't even come up with anything to be grateful for. What a terrible person I am, blah, 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 right? So that's not going to help things. So just, you know, take a few deep breaths. Let yourself off the hook and say to yourself, is there anything that I could be grateful for? So, so that is clearly, you know, what I'm talking about there is keeping a gratitude journal, but start small. You know, we're, we're, we, I think we are trained to only measure success or good experiences by big results. Things like, you know, let's say you're 30 and you're like, I thought I would have had my own home by now. Um, well, we may not appreciate that, or you may not appreciate that you're working and able to afford rent for a reasonably nice place. That's something to be grateful for. Now, on the other hand, if you were homeless for months and finally got some work that afforded you to get a small basement apartment, you would likely think you hit the jackpot. And would be grateful or extremely grateful for that, for having a home off the streets. So it really is all in the perspective that we hold. And um, and it's based on our conditioning and our beliefs and what the stories we've told ourselves as to, you know, where we should be or the success, you know, that old shooting on yourself. Um, next is to intentionally notice and spend 20 to 30 seconds observing anything that you appreciate or enjoy or feel positive emotions about. And this is a, a strategy from Rick Hansen that I mentioned earlier. Um, look him up. He's, he is the, the king of mindfulness and, um, and has some really, really great uh, tips for, you know, creating these um, spaces of noticing um, so let's say you're walking and you see a beautiful tree in full glorious fall color. Um, don't just keep walking and think, oh, that's pretty. Spend at least 30 seconds. And it's not, you know, you're probably going 30 seconds. That's not very much, but trust me, we very rarely will spend even that much time truly appreciating things. So spend the 30 seconds, appreciate the color and the miracle of nature and how happy it makes you feel to see it and really tune in to the feeling that you're having. Um, I talked about, you know, keeping a gratitude journal and, you know, this is, this is a go-to for me. Um, even now I still keep, I'm not as faithful as the two years that I did it solid. Um, I will admit it's not every single day, but most days. And if I don't have, you know, or I'm in a space where, <coughs> pardon me, I um, I can't write it down. I will do it in my head. Sorry, I got to take a drink. 
getting very dry in here already. <coughs> so, um, you know, again, <coughs> sorry, keep it small if you need to. Um, like you're grateful to have the cozy bed or, you know, um, food items, you know, anything that really honestly can come to mind that you're grateful even a little bit for. And then do what the study suggested. I love this. Um, I, you know, recommend writing letters as a uh, therapy strategy, um, although <laughs> it's usually to help people to release anything that they are holding on to that, you know, has come from trauma or they um, have feelings, you know, towards people in their lives that they aren't, aren't able to express. Um, but more around kind of the negative emotions. And I think this is even better is to write those letters of gratitude and, you know, do, if you can do one every week for at least three weeks and just see what happens and see how you feel. I mean, clearly, according to the study, it has very, very powerful results. So there's a couple of things there. And, you know, most of all, though, I want you to, uh, if you are truly feeling like I am not grateful and I'm not going to pretend that I am grateful for my life right now, that's okay too. Just don't stay there too long because as you know, what you focus on, you will get more of. So if you want to change how you're feeling and the trajectory of how maybe your life is going, I suggest that you take some little baby steps and start to appreciate and be grateful for um, anything, even small things that you can have come to your mind. And, you know, as with so many things, it's all about changing the patterns in our thinking, in our beliefs and our behaviors that can create the momentum for lasting change and big changes in how we feel and experience life. I am grateful for so many things, big and small, and certainly included that is my gratitude to all of you for listening and being a part of my life experience. Until next time, please do take some time to grab some peace, love, and joy every single day. And let's add this week gratitude to that. Have a little gratitude every day. Talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow me so you don't miss a single episode. If you want to go deeper in your healing, you can book a free discovery session with me and learn more about my unique strategy to unlock the real you through my Unearth, Uncover and Unleash three-part system to discover and heal your past and present trauma and become empowered to live your best life. Go to my website, lifelessons.ca or contact me directly at leah at lifelessons.ca to book your session. You can also find me on social media. My links are all on my podcast page. And while you're there, I would love it if you would leave a review. Good or bad, I want to know how I can make this podcast just what you need it to be. And if you love it, I definitely want to hear that. You can also leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Until next time, grab some joy, 
wherever you can. Bye for now. Thank you.